So, the message this morning is, what good is a resurrection? <laughs> what good is a resurrection? Or does belief in the resurrection... Does a belief in the resurrection make a difference in your life? Now, um, sometimes, uh, you know, when you think of Easter, we are, sometimes I think the first thing that pops under your mind is chocolate. <laughs> Easter bunnies, Easter eggs. You know, um, did you ever wonder where this all came from? So for the, for the first little bit, I, I thought I'd go back and kind of look up a little bit of the history. But the Easter Bunny made its way to America in the 1700s by German immigrants to Pennsylvania. And um, it was called Osterhaus, something to that effect, in which a rabbit would come by and lay colorful eggs in a nest prepared by the kids. So it's from that type of tradition that it spread across the entire United States. So for the traditional churches traditional, I mean, Roman Catholic, you know, and Episcopalian, Anglican, things like that. Uh, the week of Easter is, the week, weeks leading before Easter is called Lent. And Ash Wednesday, which was last Wednesday, is known as the Day of Ashes, and it is considered to be a day of repentance. That's the whole idea behind the ashes, is that uh, one is to be repentant, and during a mass or service, uh, people would, you know, come to the service and, and have this Ash Wednesdays and have the ashes placed upon their uh, heads, on their foreheads. Well, this, ri this originally was something that happened in the Roman Empire and in really around the 11th century is when it took off uh, or became very much a part of the of the mainline denominational churches. It is also um, observed as 40 days, you know, 40 day, 40 weekdays. So you'd have Ash Wednesday and 40 weekdays until Easter Sunday, uh, on which it would be finished. And Lent, um, Lent is a considered something that would be um, Easter, uh, excuse me, would be considered spring. So that was what the name means, is, is spring. And I, uh, I said uh, on Wednesday night that Fat Tuesday. <laughs> you know, Fat Tuesday. What's Fat Tuesday? Well, Ash Wednesday is to begin fasting and prayer and uh, repentance. Well, uh, Fat Tuesday was considered a day in which you ate everything that was going to perish, <laughs> that you were not going to eat during, uh, during Lent. So that's why it's called Fat Tuesday. And some places have made it, a, you know, New Orleans and stuff. It's a Anyhow, I don't want to talk about that. So, um, the, the day is, the, the length of time is 40 days, and some have associated, and I, I don't get the association, but that's all right. The, they have associated with the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness, in which he was tempted, and so on. And so, that length of time became the length of time for, for Lent. Um, a fairly common practice is that we hear in this Lenten season what people are giving up. Um, and it would be, you know, usually it is considered a time of sacrifice, so people would give up something that was important to them. I think the greatest thing people give up, the most important, not the most important thing they give up, but one of the top things that go on the, the list of giving up for Lent is chocolate. <laughs> so I guess that's why Easter is, we can break our fast of chocolate. 
Um, why do we not practice, us, our group, our denomination? And, I, and we did. I participated with the community and, you know, the impartation of ashes and those things. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, it was just the idea that it was it primarily, and I'm being careful here, I'm not trying to insult, um, it becomes more of a ritual, more than a, a, an outward shell of something rather than an inward repentance. If you do it as an inward repentance, it's perfect. You know, if you repent of your sins, as we've sung, you know, Jesus paid it all, and, and how that our sins are forgiven, and the blood of Christ washes our sins away, if we are repentant and receive ashes, that's perfect. That's exactly what it was supposed to be. But many have found, um, for, many have found that sometimes when we establish rituals, they become just a shell of activity rather than an inward uh, expression of what goes on in the heart. So if it is an inward expression that goes on in the heart, more, you know, that's, do that 100%. So that's the challenge that we find. And if you, if you wanted to know what Lent, Ash Wednesday, and all that is about, I just said it. <laughs> I've, you know, often I've thought about it over the years and, you know, what's this mean, what's that mean? Well, I finally was smart enough to look it up. That's, you know, you can laugh. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, what about, what does the, the belief in the resurrection make a difference? So, it really, it's not a question whether you believe in Lent or Ash Wednesday or the Lent season or all the things that go on in that, that type of uh, expression, but the question is, do you believe in the resurrection? Now, you as a person, how do you live? What do you expect from life? And how you approach life, death, grief, loss, and the future all depends on what you understand of the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has the greatest influence upon us and our life than any other doctrine, any other belief, it is, it, is a funda it is a foundational principle of the Christian faith, and it is the foundational principle of our life. And so, for Christians, life on earth then is a preparation for the life that will never end. And so we are preparing for eternity. You're already eternal. Your body's going to change, but some of us would like that, and, uh, <laughs> and that we're going to be changed for eternity. So God is going to take us or change us by his spirit and we are in the resurrection is how all of this takes place. So, if we look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35. Now, Paul is discussing with the church or discussing with the people at Corinth about the resurrection. And he said in verse 35, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? Now, as Paul is addressing this group in Corinth, he, has, he, he tells the, the group that they have allowed themselves to be associated with bad company, evil company. And as we look like it at verse 33 and 34, Paul is telling them, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. 
and for some do not have the knowledge of God, I speak this to your shame. So what had happened is the questions and the doubts of the resurrection had come into the church, and they had allowed it to happen because they were allowing the Gnostics who, and the Gnostics were um, a very prominent group, and it's, it's their, their primary teaching was that you, had, you could have enlightenment. And basically, the body is evil, so why would you want to resurrect it? And you want to you achieve enlightenment, and they had the only way to get there. <laughs> so, and so they would come into the churches, and they would try to merge their teachings with Christianity. Well, what had happened, the people at Corinth had allowed that to take place. And so they're asking the questions, how are the dead raised? Ha, ha, ha. What a joke. People raised from the dead. What kind of body are they going to have? Well, Paul didn't like that. He didn't like that, and it was destroying the church. So um, here in this, these next few verses, Paul gives us a, a number of illustrations and a number of responses. And here in verse um, 36, we see that his first response. There's four responses in these next couple of verses. And verse 36 says, How foolish. (laughs) You people want to know how it's possible. Paul says, how foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. He's taking them to the point of agriculture. You know, you look at a seed, you know, if you plant one piece of wheat, one seed of wheat, in the ground, you'll get a stalk and a head, sheaf, no, sheaf's a collection, the whole bunch, the head of wheat, and that head of wheat will have, I don't know, 30 to 100 uh, kernels in it. So that one little piece, that one little seed of wheat will produce, not itself, but it will produce a stalk, which will produce a head, which will produce the harvest. So he's saying to them, how foolish What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, do you not plant the body where that will be? Just as the seed, perhaps of wheat or something else, God gives it a body as he has determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. So when a seed is planted in the ground, it dies. That would be a good project, Glenda. Put a few seeds in a, in, a, in, a, in a container, a glass container, and see what happens. And we'll, we'll talk about it for, for, I don't know, I should do that, not Glenda, but I figured it would get done if I told somebody else to do it. So, I liked, I remember when we first started, we ch- started a church in Katanning, and um, one of our friends was teaching the, about the resurrection, and he had made a Um, like a pie pan, had put sand on it, and he had made little tombstones, you know, out of cardboard, stuck them in there. And then he put um, paper clips under some of the, the, you know, underneath the head of the stones, and then he would go along with the magnet and pull them out. (laughs) And only those who were in Christ rose from the dead. That's a good illustration. If you see me with a pan of salt, you know what I'm doing. Salt with a pan of sand, you'll know what I'm doing. 
But, it, you know, it's a visual that I, I didn't, I never saw it, but it was a visual that was very effective, and especially for children. And so whenever we look at this, Paul is trying to get the people away from what kind of a body is it, what's going to happen, this, that, you know, not... They're thinking they're able to grasp it because the Gnostics believe that enlightenment has this, this understanding that takes you to a, a different plane. And Paul is saying, no, it's seed. Your body is a seed, and you plant it, and God changes it. It's not this enlightenment. So, anyhow, um, when the seed is planted, it dies. So, spring is a preparation to plant. Growth uh, in a garden or in a field, but life comes from inside the dead seed. <laughs> life comes from within the seed. The, the, the life is already in the seed. It just has to be planted. You know, they, they found seeds that were in some of the uh, sarcophagus in Egypt. They found seeds in there that are, what, 4,000, 5,000 years old, and they planted them. And they still, they, and they grew some of the seed uh, that was in that, in those, carsophagus, uh, 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 something to that effect. So Jesus gives us a new body uh, that he plans to rise from the dead. Uh, we have often quoted that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you. So we already have the life in the body, the spirit of Christ. And if we die, no problem. We're taken care of. Second, he brings out in verse 39 to 42, he says, not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh. Animals have another kind of flesh. Sorry, some of you want to know all dogs go to heaven. It's of a different flesh. Now, whether or not they're there or not, I don't know, and I'm not going to uh, say that my favorite friend, you know, your favorite friend didn't make it to heaven because he was a dog or a cat. Not saying, but I'm saying there are two there are different kinds of flesh. All right. So, birds, fish, all these are different kinds of flesh. There are also heavenly bodies. There are earthly bodies. There is the splendor of the heavenly bodies. They have one kind, and they have the splendor of the earthly body, the, you know, the earth and its splendor. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another. And the stars differ from each other. Each star is different in its own beauty. So, the, so it will be in the resurrection of the dead. So there is a great difference between bodies. Flesh of man, dog, bird, fish. There's different, different bodies, different flesh. They are vastly different bodies, just as the heavens are. But the apostle directs us to consider the greatness of the power of God in that we are limited. God is not limited by the laws of nature. <laughs> Verse 42. The contrast of earthly and resurrected bodies. The body that is sown is perishable. That's us. Physical body placed in the ground, it is perishable. Um, someone asked if it was all right for people to be cremated. Well, years ago, um, I mean, like centuries, there was a time in which the pagans desecrated the body. All right? 
it was mutilated, things like that. So when the Christians came along, it, it be, you know, we were to honor the body, okay? So that became the burials and so on. So there was a, a time period, you know, when I, was, when I was a kid, it was like, almost thought it was a sin to have someone cremated. You know, and the, the question was, well, how's God going to find them if they're cremated? I don't know. How's God going to find the Apostle Paul? It's been almost 2,000 years. I imagine he's pretty well decayed. <laughs> you know? So whether we're cremated or whether, you know, whether you're buried at sea and you're fish dung, sorry, you know, God's going to pull it all together. So it isn't, we, the understanding is that, that God, <laughs> our body is perishable. It is raised imperishable. What, you know, it isn't like God loses track. Okay, I wonder where David's at, you know? <laughs> now, you know, that's why we said when, to, to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. So our body is perishable. Our spirit in life is eternal. So there will come a time in which God will re, reunite the spirit, the, the eternal part of us, with the perishable part of us, and we will have a new body. Amen. So, we will have a new body. It is sown in dishonor, raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a supernatural body. So here are these individuals who, Gnostics, they believe that the body is garbage, basically, so it doesn't matter what you do with your body, it's, what, it's that enlightenment that you're searching for, and they're the ones trying to influence the church, and Paul says, <laughs> focusing on the resurrected body, Paul gives us four sets of things. Here he says, no more sickness and death, there's no more corruption. The body that is sown perishable, is perishable, the one that is raised is eternal. No more shame because of sin, there's no more dishonor in our relationship with God, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. No more frailty and temptation, weakness. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. No more limits to time and space and domain, that which is natural. The natural body is raised a spiritual body. I wonder if there are busy bodies. <laughs> you know, where were you? Where's that lady at, you know? <laughs> Are they listening again? You know, no, there's not going to be that. So, so we as Christians then know that life is only temporary. This physical body is temporary. It's, it's going to die. But what, it's, it's what's on the inside that counts. The, the understanding of forgiveness, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, it's that type of thing. And so we see what difference does our belief in the resurrection make? It makes all the difference in the world. Because we approach life from an understanding that God is with us and he is taking us step by step into eternity. You know, we were, we were wondering, what's the average age that people die? Do you know what the average age is now that people die? 78. So we got, I got a couple more years on me. You know, you know. Yeah, we're, some of you are in trouble. Yeah, 78. I didn't look up what the average life expectancy of a preacher is. <laughs> short. <laughs> it's a short expectancy. <laughs> we had a friend of ours on Easter Sunday. He was 
in this area, and he moved to New York, had a really big church going. And on Easter Sunday, he stood up to preach and died of a massive coronary. You know, he went home on Resurrection Day, you know. So, hey, I imagine it was a trauma, but eternal life. Our life is eternal. The resurrection of Jesus Christ makes all the difference. Now, the fourth thing. A reminder of the original, of the original resurrection of Jesus. Verse 44, the second part. If there is a natural body, okay, get the logic here. Paul is saying, if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. So he's referring back to Adam and Eve in the garden. So it is because of Adam and Eve in the garden we have a physical body. Okay? But the last Adam is a life-giving spirit. Jesus is the second Adam. He is the life-giving spirit that now what we are physical, but also now we are spiritual. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. So our physical bodies came first. And after that, spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second is of heaven. So belief in the resurrection takes us to this position of the heaven, God, Jesus Christ, who came from heaven to become a man so that we could become like him. So, the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth, and as is the heavenly man, also those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly. So as we have borne the earthly humanness, we will bear the image of eternal. So, verse, Jesus Christ then is the prototype, I like that, prototype of its kind. Paul is letting us know that Though through the first Adam we've received a natural body, but through the second Adam, Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. We will bear his image. You see, it's so important that we know Jesus rose from the dead. We will bear that image for eternity. Verse 50. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That's the natural man. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. This is, this, is, this is not something that we inherit. It's something that God renews, creates in us. So as God's people, we know that the physical body cannot live in God's eternal heaven. Something has to change. Well, Paul says, verse 51, I tell you a mystery. <laughs> now, mysteries in the scripture are things that are hidden but... God is going to reveal. He says, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. We will not all die. You know, he uses the comparison, like sleep is something to be awakened from. So whenever he's saying sleep, referring to death, it's something that, you know, it isn't permanent. It is to be awakened from. But we will all be changed. So this is referring to what we understand to be called the rapture of the church. This is what we call being caught up to meet him in the air. And then verse 52, in a flash. <laughs> it's that guy who, no, no. In a flash, 
in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. So in a flash, in the twinkling, the, the amount of time the signal from your brain is sent from your brain to your eyelid to blink. Not the blink, but just the amount of time that's sent there. That's how quickly we'll be changed. And what happens is, the trump of God shall sound. There's the, the announcement of God is saying, it's time to come home. <laughs> and so, verse, the trumpet will sound, and the trumpet was a way of signaling a great festival, an extraordinary event. The dead will be raised imperishable. The dead will be raised. Taken out of the ground, raised to new life. And we will be changed. <laughs> Those who are alive and remain will be changed. So in that moment, in that twinkling of an eye, those who are in the grave from the time of Christ till yesterday will rise at the trump of God and we who are standing around before we have that momentary thought we will be changed into an eternal um, body. For this perishable, verse 53, this perishable must be clothed, must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. What has made us human and limited? What has made us the first Adam? Physical, limited, whatever. That's perishable. But the life that God gives us is imperishable. This is mortal. I can't, I can't live forever, but immortality is mine, that we live forever in what God will create. Verse 54. When this perishable has been clothed with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. <laughs> you see, in the Garden of Eden, it appeared that Satan won. <laughs> when Jesus died on the cross, it appeared that Satan won. But we find that Jesus rose from the dead and he crushed <laughs> the, 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 the thoughts of Satan and the victories that he thought he had. They were all crushed because Jesus rose from the dead. And where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? You know, it's a, like a bee that had his stinger removed. It's just another bug. And in our life, facing death or dying, it's just, another, it's just another life event because the sting of death is gone. What impact does a belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ have? It, has the most, it is the most influential event that is in a Christian life because it was in the resurrection of Jesus Christ the early church started. That was the doctrine of the early church. Jesus has risen from the dead. The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. And that was always a hard one to understand. The power of being confronted with the horror of breaking the law of God reminds us of God's holiness and that having a transgression between what God has said you cannot do and we did it, in a sense that the law in itself is threatening, it is, it is a deathful aspect 
but it is annulled. It is annulled. It is taken away. It is scratched off. Uh, the sinful soul is delivered. That what God has done for us in Jesus Christ cancels out the breaking of the law. The law is there to remind us what we did wrong, but the grace of God is there to say, I forgive you. The grace of God is there to, to give us strength and, and help us to grow beyond that moment of time, that sin, that whatever it is. When Satan brings the accusations, Jesus says, I, I, yeah, they did that, but I pardoned them. They're forgiven. They are my child. Thanks be to God, verse 57. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul enhances his joy at the reality of the resurrection as he taunts death. <laughs> he's taunting Satan. He's taunting the, 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 the Gnostics. He's taunting them. It's saying that he gives us the, 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 the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hosea, the prophet, says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. God telling the prophet, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. This is Jesus Christ. I will redeem them from death. Oh, death, I will be your plague. <laughs> oh, grave, I will be thy destruction. The resurrection is the plague upon death to destroy it. The resurrection is the destruction of death. Does belief in the resurrection make a difference? Therefore, verse 58, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Because the resurrection, there is nothing we do that is in vain. Every aspect of our life has a purpose and a plan. Because we're building on the future, we're building on eternity. Let nothing move you. Keep your heavenly perspective. Do not lose sight of where we're going. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Committed people stick to the task. We are steadfast to our calling and our commitment to God and to others. Why? The last part of verse 58. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. <laughs> Do all the good that you can with all the might that you can for as ever you can, because we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and because he lives, we shall live also. It is the greatest impact upon our life that we have to know, that we know, I shall live forever. Not because I've earned it, but because of the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ who has given it. So as we prepare these weeks going into Easter, Easter is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one guy had a sermon, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. <laughs> and Friday was the crucifixion and the scourging and the death of Jesus, but Sunday was coming. And always remember in our hearts and minds, we are children of the resurrection. We are children of the resurrection. And the spirit of Christ that raised him from the dead is the same spirit that lives in us. And we will live forever. The people that we love, they will live forever. So get the message. Take the message of Jesus Christ to those you love. Jesus, we thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you for blessing our lives. 
We thank you for your word that enlightens us and gives us strength and hope for each day. We ask, Lord, that you make this message real to our lives. And as we celebrate these weeks and walk through these weeks ahead of us, we pray that you will guide us by your spirit and your word and your spirit will make a difference in us as we make a difference for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.